Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year, every year. That's right, all 365 days per year and all 366 days per leap year. And thank you again for joining us for another installment of Another Christmas Story. Once again, I apologize for the sound of the air conditioning in the background, but it is still summertime here in New York, despite how much I wanted to be fall, and if I didn't have it on, I'd be sweating to death. So, apologies. But anyway, this week's chapter, chapter 28, will be read to you by Robert Nickerson of Behind the Bells Podcast. I don't have any beginning of the episode housekeeping for you all this week, so I will just hand it right over to Robert to read to you Chapter 28, The First Noel. Take it away, Robert. Merry Monday, fellow Kmart shoppers. My name is Robert Nickerson, or currently known as Robert Nicholas, and I host a podcast called Behind the Bells. Every other week, we dive into classic Christmas movies and TV specials and go into their history. Even though we're brand new, We've already covered a variety of subjects, from the golden age of the 1940s with Holiday Inn, to the 90s with Home Alone, and even the 2000s with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We're nearly at around 20 episodes, and we're going to keep expanding, covering everything just as long as there's plenty of Christmas magic going around. You can find Behind the Bells on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Follow Behind the Bells on Facebook or Instagram to learn about upcoming episodes, fun facts about the week's subject, or anything Christmas-related you just might come across. Consider subscribing on Patreon to help keep the show going and gain access to some exclusive presents not available to the public. The link is on my Facebook page. With that being said, let's get right into it. Chapter 28, The First Noel, December 24th, 4.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome students of Tampa Palms Elementary School. As you can imagine, this is where the magic happens. Aaron was standing shoulder to shoulder with the rest of his classmates backstage at Radio City Music Hall, watching as an older, gray-haired man wearing horn-brimmed glasses and an impeccably pressed suit gestured wildly around the cavernous space nearly hitting Carolyn Barnes, who was standing beside him in the face as he did so. Enormous sets depicting the North Pole, Santa's Workshop, Midtown Manhattan, Central Park, and the little town of Bethlehem, amongst others, were crammed together, accessible via mazes of Christmas trees and other holiday decor and props. 
Somewhere amongst the towering structures that looked as though they had been ripped from a Thomas Kincaid or a Jim Shore painting, Aaron was sure that he could hear the mewing of sheep. His attention was drawn back to the older man once more, however, as he began to speak again. I'm Bernard Ansley, manager of this prestigious hall, and we are so delighted to have you all with us tonight. As Carolyn Barnes pursed her lips in defiance, stubbornly remaining silent, Principal Rodriguez stepped forward. And we're honored to be here. Isn't that right, class? Even if the president decided to attend this afternoon's performance rather than rearranged her busy schedule to attend tonight instead so she could watch the future of this nation in action on stage. Miss Warren muttered sarcastically under her breath, eliciting giggles from her students and causing Principal Rodriguez to throw her a withering look. Yes, well, Bernard tugged at his collar as he cleared his throat awkwardly. Before this afternoon's performance, the president did ask me to convey the best of luck from her to you all. And if the show goes as well tonight as we're all anticipating, Bernard continued brightly, as though he had never forced a detour from his pre-planned speech, you'll be the contest winners for what could be a new, long-running annual tradition for the music hall. The key word being, if the show goes as well tonight as we are all anticipating, Miss Barnes interrupted pointedly, her scowl deepening. In other words, don't screw this up. Aaron's stomach constricted uncomfortably as an awkward silence fell over everyone assembled backstage. Indeed, Miss Warren looked as though she wanted to make a disparaging remark to the director of programming, but was doing her best to restrain herself because of the look of warning that Principal Rodriguez shot her. Mr. Ainsley, meanwhile, cleared his throat uncomfortably once again. Yes, well, I have the utmost confidence that you'll all adhere to the strict standings we have in place for our famous Rockettes for decades now. Speaking of which, he raised his voice loudly, Girls, come on out here and introduce yourselves! As 30 or so Rockettes emerged from the wings, smiling in awe of the school children and whispering amongst themselves about how cute the kids were, Miss Warren's third grade students, in addition to the adult chaperones, began to applaud loudly. Holly, Margot, and all the other girls seemed starstruck by the confident and empowered dancers standing before them, while many of the boys flushed various shades of red, completely enamored by the attractive women in their short skirts and form-fitting tops. Indeed, Principal Rodriguez and the male chaperones became just as bashful as their third-grade wards, which elicited eye rolls from exasperated sighs from their female counterparts. Upon noticing that the applause wasn't going to die down anytime soon, Mr. Ansley called loudly over it. Ladies, how about we get a group photo with the young stars you'll be sharing the stage with tonight? Don't be shy, kids. Gather around. With words of encouragement, the Rockets began to wave over the students who moved forward, many with trepidation to stand in front of them. Principal Rodriguez and the dads of the group, meanwhile, hurried forward with much more gusto, earning themselves reproachful looks from Miss Warren and the moms. As bodies shuffled around her, Miss Barnes asked politely, do we really have time for this, Bernard? The show is in less than four hours, and this will take 30 seconds, Mr. Ainsley interrupted with a smile as she saddled up beside him. Relax. The words seemed to have the opposite effect on Miss Barnes, however, who only seemed to further tense up as she pursed her lips once again. The music hall's manager didn't seem to notice, however, as he pulled his phone from his pocket and began to fiddle with the camera settings. Aaron, meanwhile, was awkwardly trying to find a rockette to stand in front of for the group photo, unsure of where to go, when a friendly-looking black woman flashed him with an inviting smile. Don't be shy, kiddo. 
she called with a come-hither motion of her finger that indicated he should join her. I won't bite. Smiling to himself, Aaron made a beeline toward the rockette when Daniel hurried past, body-checking him hard in the process. Ow! Aaron exclaimed, grabbing his own shoulder as Daniel flashed him a taunting smirk. Watch where you're going, Rankin! He instructed as he took his place in front of the pretty African-American woman whose mouth was agape in horror at what she had just witnessed. Are you all right? She called over to Aaron, noticing the sadness in his eyes as he once again appeared to be at a loss for where to go. Then, glancing down at Daniel, annoyed, she said poignantly, This spot was being reserved for your friend over there. She nodded in Aaron's direction. I think there's a space at the end of the line, though. She waved an arm in a non-committal fashion down the long line of the Rockettes, who were chaining amicably with the kids in front of them as they waited for everyone to finish taking their place. Aghast, Daniel's mouth fell open at the words, and his face flushed pink with embarrassment. Then, throwing a surprised Aaron a dirty look, he shuffled away with his head bowed low in shame as Aaron moved forward to join the Rockette, who had just stood up for him. Are you all right? She asked him again when he reached her. I'm fine, yeah, Aaron mumbled, embarrassed. You didn't... Thanks. Don't mention it. She winked at him before intimidating with a whisper. I hate police. A wild smile unfurled across Aaron's face as Mr. Ainsley called loudly. All right, everyone. Settle down so I can snap this picture. Silence began to descend over the gathered crowd as Aaron was spun around to face the camera by his rockette, and she placed two firm, reassuring hands on his shoulders. On the count of three, say Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Christmas! Aaron blinked as the bright flash of the phone's camera went off. Mr. Ainsley glanced down at the picture he just captured before giving a thumbs up to the people still posing. Perfect! More chatter immediately broke out as the group began to break apart and Miss Warren hurried forward to talk to the theater's manager about getting a copy of the picture sent to her. Aaron, however, didn't move. He craned his neck backward to glance up at the Rockette, who was smiling down at him, her hands still on his shoulders. When I get sent a copy, you can bet I'll be framing it for myself, she said. It's not often handsome strangers pose for photos with me. Aaron blushed at the words as he tried and failed to conceal his goofy smile that he could feel spreading across his face. He knew that the woman was merely trying to boost his confidence after the display of bullying that she had witnessed moments earlier, but he didn't care. It was still sweet of her to do. In fact, he found himself slightly disappointed when she released him from her grasp a second later after giving his shoulder one last reassuring squeeze and walked away to talk to her one of her fellow dancers. His disappointment was short-lived, however, when he noticed Kevin standing with Holly and Margot feet away from him. Margot looked shocked by the interaction, but Kevin and Holly both had expressions of mixed jealousy and amazement written all over their faces. Dude, Kevin breathed as Alex joined them, searching for words adequate enough to convey his envy. How did you? It was all thanks to Daniel, Aaron admitted, raising his voice slightly to ensure that the bully in question, who was sulking a few feet away with Chris, could hear him. Both of their scowls intensified at the words, but neither dared to do or say anything in response for Miss Warren was standing close by. Besides, there was no time for talking anyway, for at that moment, Miss Barnes clapped her hands loudly and authoritatively. Right, we need to get moving. Before we know it, it'll be showtime. Now, those of you performing music, which I realize is the majority of you, 
please form a group to my left. Those of you playing the children who will be reading the nativity story, form a group to my right. Quickly now, chop chop! She loudly clapped her hands together again. Break a leg! Kevin winked at Aaron as he moved towards the director's left with the majority of their fellow classmates. Literally, please, Daniel hissed in an undertone on his way past. You'll do fine, Margot insisted, rolling her eyes as she passed him, pretending to gag at the fact that she was following in Daniel's footsteps. You really won't be, Chris cruelly reassured him as he made his way towards the right side of Miss Barnes, along with a fellow classmate named Aaron. Don't listen to them, Holly insisted quietly left alone with Aaron for the briefest of moments. You'll be so amazing. You always are. Thanks, Aaron swallowed hard. You will... You... Are too. Holly's cheeks went pink at the words, and a wide smile unfurled across her face. The two stared at one of another for a moment that seemed to last forever, unaware that they were being watched closely by everybody around them. Indeed, the rockets seemed tickled by the budding romance between the two youngsters, as Aaron stared at his classmate, he never had before wished so hard that mistletoe would appear from thin air above them. But alas, it didn't. And before he knew it, Holly moved away from him to join Chris and Aaron to the right of Miss Barnes, leaving him standing all on his own before the director of programming. That must make you a little drummer boy, the stern woman noted, as she sized Aaron up with her eyes. You certainly have the right stature for the pot. Daniel and Chris laughed loudly at the remark, earning themselves a reproachful boys from Principal Rodriguez, which was all the warning they needed to silence themselves, even though they still exchanged an amused glance behind the back of Miss Barnes. Miss Warren, meanwhile, stepped forward to defend her student against the old woman. Aaron here is an excellent drummer. He's extraordinarily talented, and I would expect no less since he's performing at my theater. Miss Barnes cut across the teacher with a cold smile before turning her attention to Aaron again. Since you, along with our shepherds, she motioned in a directionless manner at the group of rockheads behind her, will be leading our animals across the stage this evening. Perhaps you should acquaint yourself with them before rehearsal officially starts, while I start prepping your classmates. Aaron nodded in agreement, which for some reason only made the woman's eyes narrow into tiny slits. Then, without warning, she turned towards her rockets. Which of you would be kind enough to show this boy here to the stable? I'll do it. Ah, Brittany. Good. Very good. Miss Barnes nodded as the young black woman, who had been so kind to Aaron moments ago, moved toward the boy with a wide smile on her face. Aaron threw a quick glance at Kevin, who gave him a thumbs up before turning to glance at Holly, who looked slightly jealous. Ready? Brittany asked. When Aaron nodded, she led him away from his classmates and around the corner of one of the enormous Christmas sets surrounding them. If you're too scared, just let me know, Rankin, Daniel called after them before his voice became muffled by the large sets the moment they were out of sight. Once they were out of earshot completely, Brittany rolled her eyes and let her composure drop slightly. Don't listen to him, she instructed Aaron. Seriously, take my word for it. People like that are completely insecure. That's why they feel the need to bully others. They're just jealous of them. And trust me, that kid is Definitely jealous of you. She glanced down at Aaron as they proceeded around the corner of another large set, this one shaped like a living room on Christmas morning. I promise you that things get better after school. That may seem like a long time away right now, 
but it'll go by fast. I used to be bullied myself, you know. Really? Aaron asked, surprised, as he eyed the pretty woman up and down. Brittany nodded. I know it's hard to believe, given where I am now, but it's true. And trust me, kiddo, you'll be just as successful when you reach my age. She winked at him as they turned another corner in the maze of sets and props, rounding a fountain in the middle of Central Park. I just hope I'm successful during tonight's performance, Aaron admitted. You'll be fine, Brittany assured him. Don't let Barnes scare you. She's a miserable old witch. She's overly tough on everybody. My first day as a rocket? She made me cry. Aaron laughed as the woman calmed his nerves with her easygoing demeanor. I'll make sure to let your little girlfriend know about that later too. When Aaron glanced sideways at her, confused, she gave a small shrug as she explained. She looked a little nervous around Barnes' speech as well. Oh, uh, what? Aaron asked, legitimately confused as they rounded the corner of the Times Square set and the sounds of various animals seemed to draw closer. The cute little blonde girl you were talking to up before Miss Barnes split you up, Brittany raised an eyebrow. Isn't she your... Holy... No! Aaron answered so quickly that he stumbled over his own words. Really? Brittany asked, surprised. Wait, you guys aren't still in that cootie stage, are you? No! No, nothing like that, Aaron insisted uncomfortably. It's just that, you know, we're friends. Maybe, Brittany said thoughtfully before adding. But it sure looked like the both of you wanted to be something a little bit more. As Aaron mulled over this silently, the two rounded yet another corner, this time belonging to that of the manger that would feature in the living nativity scene, and came to an abrupt stop at the far end of the spacious stable, inside in which nine animals were gathered around the opposite corner. They looked as they were vying for the attention of a short, olive-skinned man who looked as though he were in his early 20s, and was feeding him from a large bucket, patting him as he spoke to them lovingly as he did so. Marcello, darling, Brittany called loudly across the animal pen, raising her voice slightly to ensure that she would be heard over the various noises of the gathered creatures were making. I brought you a visitor. Ah, Brittany, my bella. Marcello spoke with a thick Italian accent. At the sound of the rocket's voice, he had looked up to find the woman's eyes across the room with a toothy, dazzling smile. Placing the bucket of slop down on the ground, he straightened his cap as his eyes tracked Brittany and Aaron, making their way around the perimeter of the animal pen towards him. Who's this little fella? This is Aaron. Brittany placed a hand on the boy's shoulder as she guided him towards the stable boy. He's going to play the part of the little drummer boy during tonight's performance. Ah, oh, magnifico! Marcelo exclaimed. Marcelo here is our animal handler. Obviously, Brittany explained to Aaron. It used to be that besides Santa Claus and the children, the Rockettes portrayed every other part in the show. The animals, though, she laughed. They started getting a little hard to handle on the stage twice a day, so now Marcelo plays the role of the little drummer boy, and so that the animals have somebody they love and trust, can lead them and make them feel comfortable in front of a live audience. Air nodded absentmindedly as Marcelo squatted down to meet his eyes. It's nice to meet you. He stuck out his hand for Aaron to take. You too, Aaron replied meekly, shaking the man's hand as Brittany leaned against the stable's wooden wall with her arms folded across her chest, smiling to herself as she watched the scene. Did old Lady Barnes try to scare the dickens out of you? 
Marcelo asked in an attempt to make Aaron feel comfortable. When the boy nodded, he smirked sympathetically. I figured she would. She wasn't keen on Crazy Bernie's contest idea to begin with. But he won out in the end like he always does. Don't worry though, you're in good company. She still tries to intimidate us daily, as if performing at Radio City wasn't intimidating enough in and of itself. In fact, he laughed, I can't even begin to tell you how nervous I was before my first performance, after I was asked to play the little drummer boy. But you know what? I got through it. And you will too, he stressed. And I'll be on stage right behind you in a shepherd's costume tonight, every step of the way, helping you lead the animals across the stage. And I'll be on the mountain, dressed as Mary, Brittany chimed in. Marcelo nodded. Between the two of you and the other rockets and your classmates, you won't be alone, he smiled. It'll be just fine tonight. We'll be just fine. We're all in this together, and we'll support one of another, and make sure that each and every one of us gets through every performance in one piece. So, I know it's easier said than done, but try not to be nervous, okay? Aaron nodded feeling as though a huge weight had been lifted from his shoulders. The combination of Marcelo and Brittany's words actually worked to put his mind at ease and calm his stomach ache, much to his surprise. Then, unable to help himself, his eyes were drawn back to the animals in the pen once again. Marcelo noticed with a laugh. Everybody loves the animals, he confided. As temperamental as they can be at times, but I've been rambling long enough. Would you like to meet them? Yes! Aaron exclaimed enthusiastically. All right! Marcelo ruffled his hair before standing up straight and winking at Brittany, whose smile widened as her heart skipped the beat. Noticing the glance that the two exchanged, Aaron smirked himself. He clearly wasn't the only one in love. The man surprised Aaron by picking him up without warning and placing him in a seated position atop of the stable wall so that his legs dangled in the animal pen. Both Brittany and Marcello kept a hand on the child's lower back to ensure the boy kept his balance as the three of them stared at the animals scattered around the enclosed space. Those two right there? Marcello pointed to the snow-white sheep, one much larger than the other, which appeared to only be an infant. They're called Dolly and Franklin. They're mother and son. As Aaron observed them, he noticed how closely Franklin seemed to be sticking to his mom which caused a pang of longing for his own mother's presence to flare up inside of him. This is Franklin's first season in the show. He's cute, Aaron remarked. If you think he's cute now, you should have seen him when he was first born, Brittany interjected. The girls just couldn't get enough of him. It's Clarabella's first season too. Marcelo indicated a small spotted brown cow that was fast asleep on the ground beside a much larger, watchful black and white bovine. Her mother, Betsy, is a veteran Jew just like Dolly, and those two are brothers. He pointed at two mid-sized donkeys that were horsing around in the corner. Nestor, look how long his ears are, Brittany pointed out. Aren't they adorable? Aaron nodded, smirking to himself at the sight of the floppy ears that nearly dragged across the ground. And the one with the upright ears is called Eror, Marcelo continued as though he hadn't been interrupted, answering Aaron's unasked question. They're Marcelo's favorites, Brittany tested. No, Sonora, Marcelo shook his head. I have no favorites. They're all my children. It is hard to pick favorites, Brittany conceded to Aaron. 
They're all so sweet. Except those two. She pointed a finger at two very large camels nuzzling their necks against one another. They're assets. Brittany, realizing that she was in the presence of a small child, caught herself mid-sentence, eliciting laughter from both Marcello and the boy. They're assets, but they're also, uh, huge jerks. They do like to spit and nip at you, Marcello begrudgingly admitted. So you do have to be careful around them. But honestly, they mean well enough. What are their names? Aaron asked. Ahaman and Fahima. They're totally in love. Aaron nodded his understanding as his eyes settled on one last tiny animal standing all alone from the rest, looking depressed. The small goat was clearly still a baby, with a scraggly beard, nubs for horns on top of its head, and a lone black spot on his back. What's his name? Aaron asked, unable to look away from the creature. Marcello's face fell instantly. <sighs> That's Billy. Why does he look so sad? His mother died giving birth to him, Brittany explained softly, and his father shortly afterward of heartbreak. Aaron turned to meet Marcello's fiery eyes as the man elaborated. Don't let anybody ever tell you that animals can't comprehend feelings or human emotions. The souls are pure, and they understand them better than most humans are able to. It's Billy's first season, too, obviously, Brittany pointed out. He hasn't really assimilated with the other animals yet, and they really haven't accepted him as one of their own hitherto. So he's very lonely. He's shy, Marcello added. So I tried to give him a little extra love and attention to make him feel more comfortable. Noticing that Aaron was unable to rip his gaze from the young goat, Marcello picked up the young boy from where he sat and placed him on his feet within the pen before hopping into it himself. Brittany watched the handsome young man slowly lead the charming young boy over to the tiny shy goat. Billy nervously shrunk away at first, but after some coaxing and soft words of reassurance from Marcello, he allowed Aaron to approach him. The goat remained tense for a few moments as the boy patted him on the head, but before long, it warmed up to Aaron, and not only leaning into his touch, but also making soft sounds of contentment as well. I think he likes you, Brittany called out from where she stood. Amazed, Marcello nodded his agreement. I've never seen Billy take to somebody so quickly. Aaron barely heard either of their remarks, for he was just too entranced by the young goat in front of him, a kid, just like himself. He didn't know why, but he felt a strong sense of kinship with the orphaned animal. He knew what it was like to not have a parent. For all inserts and purposes, his father was dead to him. And he too knew what it was like to be shy and an outsider amongst his peers. Perhaps Billy instinctively sensed their similarities as well which was why he had taken to him so quickly. Miss Barnes will surely want to do a full run-through with everyone soon, Marcello continued, shaking the boy from his thoughts. So before we have to go join the others, let me introduce you to the rest of the animals and explain how to get them to follow you across the stage. Aaron opened up his mouth, panicked again, but Marcello pressed on, holding up a hand. Like I said, I'll be with you on stage during the performance but we still need to go over a few techniques. Aaron nodded his understanding before following Marcello over to the two donkeys, 
all while being watched from afar by Brittany, who would become more charmed by her co-worker and the young boy with each passing second. Truth be told, she was also savoring the last few minutes that she had left where she didn't have to deal with old lady Barnes. Though Megan Rankin had initially been reluctant to climb into a car driven by a complete stranger that offered to drive them into Manhattan in the middle of a snowstorm, especially with two of her children, she began to relax substantially shortly into their journey. Gabe, the airport employee, turned out to be an excellent driver who navigated the snowy highways with relative ease. And though he was going pretty fast, swerving in and out of cars at an accelerated speed whenever he was able to, not once did he slip, skid on ice, or even come close to causing an accident, and never once did Megan feel unsafe in the passenger seat. Indeed, there was something extraordinarily comforting about Gabe's presence that made the single mother trust him. In fact, before she knew it, she was rambling on and on about her travel plights, completely unburdening herself to the man. I wouldn't be too hard on your mother, Megan. Gabe said softly when the woman finally lapsed into silence for the first time. Please don't take my mother's side, Megan implored in a self-pitying voice. Gabe laughed as he guided his car onto the cross-country parkway. I'm not taking sides, he assured her. I'm just saying to look at things from her perspective. And look at this weather. He nodded out of the front windshield at the snow falling so heavily that they could barely see a few feet in front of them. Who knows if your parents would have been able to make it back into Westchester safely, let alone make it back into the city safely in time for your son's performance. They were thinking of... you said his name was Aaron, right? Megan nodded. They were thinking of Aaron too. He doesn't know you flew in to surprise him. Imagine if he looked out into the audience tonight and saw that not even his local grandparents showed up to watch the show. Megan's stomach sunk at the thought and she immediately felt guilty for losing her temper with her mother on the phone earlier. You make a good point, she begrudgingly conceded. Yeah, God forbid Aaron was disappointed for once in his life, Jake muttered sarcastically from the backseat of the car. Megan sighed expastrally before turning her seat to glance at her kids. Amy, who was fast asleep once again, was buckled up tightly on his lap, her head lolling back and her open mouth leaking drool all over her shirt. Jake, meanwhile, was staring out of his window, trying to get a substantial glimpse of Manhattan through the snow beyond, his expression dark. Could you at least try to cheer up, please? She asked wearily. Try to have a good time? We're in New York City. You've wanted to come back and visit since we moved away. And look, it's snowing. You've always used to love white Christmases when you were younger. And you used to love Dad when I was younger, Megan, Jake snapped his words dripping with vitriol as he whipped his head around to stare his mother down. He was surprised to see that his words had far from the desired effect on the woman. Indeed, she didn't look outraged by them, but extremely sad. I really did, Megan softly admitted, trying to keep her voice steady, despite the fact that she felt like crying due to how much her son's words stung. Part of me still does, and if I'm being honest. But Jake, she took a deep breath, you have to understand that he and I are done. We are never getting back together. Why not? Jake asked softly, his face pained. Because I love you more, Megan stressed. You, Aaron, Amy. At the sound of her name, the baby in question stirred awake, blinking grockedly, which made her young mother smile. You kids 
Save me, she continued, acutely aware of Gabe studying her out of the corner of his eyes. If it wasn't for you three, she shrugged, I'd still probably be in an emotionally and physically abusive relationship. But I refuse to raise you guys in such a toxic environment. She sighed deeply. I know how much you wish your father was around, Jake. I really do. I know how much you wish to know him better, and I can sympathize with that. That's why I called him for a ride into Manhattan from Westchester. Her face darkened at the words. But that was a moment of weakness on my part. Do you understand? The fact of the matter is, we're all better off without him in our lives. And as long as you're a minor in my care, he will have nothing to do with you. You can hate me all you want, but it is for your own good, okay? Silence fell over the car as Megan finished her surprisingly emotional speech. Gabe snuck a peek at the single mother's children in the rearview mirror and watched as the baby girl playfully grabbed at her brother's stunned face. He looked white as a ghost, and his wide eyes were brimming with tears. His mouth was agape, but it didn't look like he was attempting to speak, whether because he didn't know what to say or because he couldn't find the words. After a few moments that consisted of Megan staring at him expectingly, biting down on her trembling lower lip, Jake shut his mouth, cleared his throat, and turned back to stare out of his window at the snowy city beyond. Sadly, Megan turned her face forward in her seat once again as Jake removed his earbuds from his pocket and placed them firmly in his ears. As the loud, angry sounds of rap music began to emanate from the back seat, mingling oddly with the soft Christmas music playing on the radio, Gabe asked his traveling companion, Are you alright? I'm fine, Megan replied solemnly. I'm used to these fights. Do you want to talk about it? Megan glanced sideways at the attractive redhead to find him staring at her with concern. I just, you know, I just don't know how to get through to him. He's a teenage boy, Megan. It's impossible to get through to them. Trust me, I know. I used to be one. Megan laughed as the man pressed on. But I'll tell you something, and I want you to listen to me, okay? If anything was ever going to pierce through that thick skull of a stubborn teenager, that emotional monologue you gave was it. Megan rolled her eyes. I won't hold my breath. And as if to stress her point, she let out a long sigh. I just feel bad for him, you know. A boy needs his father. Your son has an amazing mother who is just as good at being mom and dad than most men are at just being a father. Gabe pointed out, taking the woman by surprise. And trust me when I say that one day, he'll notice that. And be thankful for it. He just needs to grow up a little bit more first. A calming warmth radiated through Megan's body as she silently cursed the tears of appreciation brimming in her eyes. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever said to me. Every word of it is true. How do you know? Megan asked, aware of how childish the question sounded. You don't even know us. Oh, I know enough. Besides, I have good intuition when it comes to things like this. Gabe winked at her. Trust me, I wouldn't lead you astray. He removed one hand from the steering wheel and patted Megan's knee reassuringly before placing it back to where it belonged. Wanting to steer the conversation to a lighter topic, Megan put on a southern draw and teased, Why, Gabe, are you flirting with me? Laughing, the man insisted, Just be nice. Flirting's not really my thing. Besides, he cleared his throat, You're really not, uh, my, uh, type. Ah, Megan went red in the face before playfully pouting as she stomped her foot and snapped her fingers. Well, darn it. 
Ah, oh, well, she shrugged. It was worth a shot. As Gabe laughed again, she leaned forward slightly to peer out of the front windshield and try to get her bearings through the snow and the lack of light in the night sky. We're making good time, Gabe nodded. I reckon we'll be pulling up in front of Radio City with about 20 minutes to spare. Megan smiled wide at the words, her heart soaring. I seriously don't know how to thank you enough. You're like, I, I don't know. She searched for the right words before settling on. You're like my guardian angel or something. Gabe flashed a toothy grin. I get that a lot, he admitted, doing his best to sound modest. I guess I just like helping people. Oh, you're not just helping me, Megan pointed out. You're saving me. Gabe beamed with pride at the comment, but said nothing in response. Megan took this to mean that the man wanted to drive in silence for a while and settle back comfortably in her seat, recognizing the excitement building within her. She was home for Christmas for the first time in a few years, and in a few hours, she would be watching her beloved child performing at the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. A wide smile unfurled across her face at both thoughts, and she allowed herself to close her eyes, realizing for the first time all day just how tired she actually was and deciding to try and catch a few bones of sleep before arriving at her destination and dealing with all the excitement that was to come along with it. Thanks for that, Robert. I am continuously blown away by the talent of our guests who have agreed to help me bring my little story to life. I know I say that every week, but I need to, because each and every one of you who have contributed your talents to this story are amazing. Just like all of our listeners are amazing for eagerly taking this year-long journey with us and strapping in for the long haul to see where these characters in this plot goes. I appreciate each and every one of you more than you know, and I've received some wonderful comments and feedback from all of y'all. So please keep all of that coming, and please, if you are enjoying the story, consider sharing it with your family and friends on your social media feeds, while tagging streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, Hallmark, because hey, you never know, in order to get it in front of as many ears as possible, or as many eyes, because the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website each week as well. So if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing, they can read our weekly installments at www.tisapodcast.com. And if you enjoy Tis the Podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or television show that we discuss, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show in general, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group is by far the most active of our social media pages. It's busy year-round, and not just with Christmas chatter, although that is obviously our primary focus. There's plenty of talk about pop culture, comic books, movies, TV shows, memes, and other holidays as well. Especially those other Burr Month holidays we all love, like Halloween and Thanksgiving, which lead up to the most wonderful day of the year itself. It's also kind of become a one-stop shop for many of the Christmas podcasts that you know and love on the Christmas Podcast Network. So not only will you find new episodes of Tis the Podcast there and get to interact with Julia, Tom, and myself there, 
But you'll also find new episodes of Behind the Bells, the Christmas Podcasts podcast, Seasons Eatings, Totally Rad Christmas, Christmas Clatter, TGI Podcast, A Cozy Christmas Podcast, Advent Calendar House Podcast, Christmas Conversations, Planning for Christmas, all of your favorites posted there as well. And find all of the hosts of said shows you know and love on the website too. Always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything. A true mini Christmas family has formed within that Facebook group, and I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but I know I speak for Tom, Julia, and myself when I say it's a thing we are most proud of in regards to the show. But speaking of the show, if you want more bonus episodes, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash tisapodcast or www.tisapodcast.com slash patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get full-length bonus episodes of the show. After a slow start to the year, we had been dropping one bonus episode per week the past few months, although we have slowed down in August, but we are gearing right back up for September and October for spooky season, with a bunch of Thanksgiving and Christmas content soon to follow. So if you're not a patron yet, now is the time to consider joining. If you were a patron who has dropped off, now is the time to consider rejoining. There's plenty of stuff up there, so much so it's almost like a separate show that runs parallel to Tis a Podcast. There's truly something for everyone, so check it out. All the money we receive gets recycled back into Tis a Podcast proper and helps us put out new swag and improve the quality of the show in general. And in terms of swag, Tom is currently working on designing some new stuff for y'all to purchase if you so desire. But there are also other free ways to help the podcast besides subscribing to Patreon and engaging with us on and sharing our social media pages. You can help the show in a free way by leaving us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year or 366 days per leap year. Coming up on the show this upcoming Monday, August 16th, we will be dropping our episode in which we discuss the 2006 film Last Holiday. And this upcoming Tuesday, August 17th, we will be joined by not one, not two, but three guests to discuss the two Christmas episodes of Batman, the animated series, the one Christmas episode of the new adventures of Batman, and the one Christmas episode of Justice League. Joining us to geek out over the Caped Crusader are Jerry Davila of Totally Rad Christmas, Mike Westfall of Advent Calendar House Podcast, and Matt Spaulding of GreenMountainSanta.com and co-host of two podcasts, Two Brook Geeks and The FBI's Most Wanted. So if you want to follow along and watch at home, the episodes that we'll be talking about are Batman the Animated Series Season 1, Episode 2, Christmas with the Joker, Batman the Animated Series Season 2, Episode 2, A Bullet for Bullock, The New Batman Adventures Season 1, Episode 1, Holiday Nights, and Justice League Season 2, Episode 23, Comfort and Joy. Needless to say, it's sure to be an extremely fun, if crowded, episode full of holiday cheer and gushing over the dark night. Before that drops in your feeds on Monday, August 23rd, however, on Thursday, August 19th, you'll get to hear Chapter 29 of another Christmas story entitled Run Rudolph Run, which Manny Torres of Feliz Christmas Merry Navidad will be reading to you. 
So keep your eyes on your podcast feeds because there's lots of great stuff coming up, lots of exciting stuff coming up, but that's not the most exciting news we have for you today. To reveal that, I'm going to throw it back over to Robert. I hope you all enjoyed my reading at chapter 28 of Another Christmas Story. I really want to thank Anthony, Tom, and Julia from Tis the Podcast for giving me this chance. From this point, we have only... 135 days until Christmas Day! Of course, any day's a good day to spread some Christmas joy. It just so happens that we are actually getting a lot closer to the real deal. So, with that being said, Merry Thursday to all, and to all, a good night. Thanks, Robert. That is so exciting. And frankly, I can't add anything to what you just said. You summed it all up perfectly. I will just say to our listeners, thank you for everything you do for us. Thanks for supporting the show. You're truly the best, and we are lucky to consider you all legitimate friends and so many of you family. So make sure to do your homework. Watch Last Holiday, in addition to the Christmas episodes of Batman the Animated Series, The New Adventures of Batman, and Justice League, and we shall speak to you again next week. Bye, y'all. The first Noel the angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep Noel, Noel Noel, Noel Born is the King of Israel King.